This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Well, good morning, everybody. Six minutes past nine o'clock here in Hayesville, North Carolina. Welcome to a Tuesday morning wake-up call on Sports Country Radio. It's June 20th, 2023. Going to be another rainy day here uh, in western North Carolina. We've got uh, rain coming in pretty much all week uh, after getting uh, over an inch of rain yesterday. Um 20th of June, today would have been my father's 84th birthday. Uh, I lost my dad, uh, but uh, I lost him, what, 11 years ago? 11 years ago, yeah. Uh, And uh, I'm only uh, 10 years away from the age he was when he passed away, which obviously obviously is one of those things you, uh, as you get older, you you start thinking about you know, your mortality. I try not to dwell on it too much, but it's, it's difficult sometimes. But anyway, um, speaking of mortality, did you see this, uh, thing about this submersible that uh, was going down to the wreck of the Titanic and it submerged on Sunday to go down to the Titanic and it has not been heard of, uh, heard from, I should say, since about an hour and a half after it left its support uh, ship on the surface. Uh, the Titanic is down, I want to say, 13,000 feet. It's some some ridiculous uh, amount of uh, depth. And uh, they were going down there, and the people that were on it, there were five people on board. There was a pilot and four others that supposedly paid $250,000 a piece to uh, go down to the Titanic. So now there is a huge uh, search underway to see if they can find this. The question is, is if it had some kind of uh, catastrophic uh, pressure leak, if that happened and it went to the bottom, they're as good as dead. Even if they're still alive, even if they could find them. And by the way, this submersible is very small. The search area that they are uh, looking at is the size of the state of Connecticut. So trying to find that on the uh, the bottom of the ocean, 13,000 feet down, uh, is going to be damn near impossible. And uh, uh, they have four days' worth of oxygen. That's what they had when they left on Sunday. So their oxygen is going to run out sometime on Thursday morning. So if they are under the water, they have till Thursday morning. And they're saying, look, even if they find them, that the options are limited. Um, There's very few vessels that can go as deep as they are. Divers certainly can't do it. And even if they can go that deep, 
they are very doubtful that they could uh, uh, attach to the hatch of the submersible, which is run by this uh, company called OceanGate, and, and bring them up. Now, the best case scenario here is a lot of these, or most of these submersibles, have a safety thing where if there is some kind of a problem with the hull or something bad happens that they have this emergency thing that will automatically take the submarine to the surface. So it's possible that it is bobbing somewhere in that search area the size of Connecticut. There are Canadian uh, searchers, there's U.S. searchers as they try to find this thing, but it is not sounding good for these people. And, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, it's fascinating, but I, I don't know if I could do it. I can't, like, I don't even think I could dive um, because of claustrophobia. I cannot imagine being in this little little can and going down 13,000 feet deep in the ocean. Think about this. There have been more people that have gone into space than there have that have gone that deep into the ocean where the Titanic is. That'll give you, you know, an idea of exactly how remote this is and and how rare it is. So look, I, you know, you hope for the best, you know, and again, we hope that the best case scenario is something happened and it's bobbing on the surface, just waiting for somebody to find them. Except the, the thing about that is, is they are hooked up to a Starlink satellite and, uh, you would think if they were bobbing on the surface, there would be some kind of communication from the submarine. So, um, yeah, I, I hope they're okay. You know, and and uh, one of the guys that uh, uh, is on there is a you know a, a billionaire, and then there's another guy who's a really rich guy, and his son's down there. You know, and, and it, it, at the end of the day, that doesn't really matter. But obviously, those are the people that can afford uh, to go. Down one of them, uh, I can't remember what his name it was. Hamish something. Uh, the name escapes me. But he actually went on uh, the Blue Origin space flight uh, with Jeff Bezos on one of Jeff Bezos's rockets. I don't know if he was on the same one that uh, William Shatner went up on or not. But you know, so this is a guy that has been to space and now wanted to go thirteen thousand feet down to uh, to see the Titanic, uh, and uh, hopefully, you know, hopefully he's going to be okay. But uh, it, very scary time, especially if you're, you know, part of their family. All right, so enough about that. Let's get to baseball yesterday. And as I said to my wife last night when we were watching the game, well, it's going to be a happy show tomorrow morning. The Boston Red Sox keep rolling. Uh, they beat the Minnesota Twins last night 9-3. to Um they had a 3-0 lead. James Paxton really, you know, was cruising and ran into some mistakes he made in the fifth inning. Uh, he allows a one-out single. Then he hits Kyle Farmer. And then with two outs, Christian Vasquez, a former Red Sox catcher, uh, mashes one into left field, three-run shot, game is tied. and uh, But then the Red Sox... Respond, they come out in the seventh, get a couple of runs, another run in the eighth, and uh, they win this thing. Uh, and it was just – it was refreshing to see them blow that 3 nothing lead or 3 nothing lead and then come back with three runs in the sixth inning. Uh, this team is 
showing the kind of hitting that they did back in May when they ran off, what, I think eight straight in May. Jaron Duran, three for three last night, all three doubles, and he was breaking bats all over. But he had two of his doubles, I think, came on broken bats. It's unreal. Drove in a couple of runs. Um, has his batting average up to 300. OPS over 800. This kid's figured it out. I don't know. I don't know what he did, but man, uh, he is on fire. And how about this? You know, and I I got to be honest. I I questioned Alex Cora at the time he did it. I still don't know that I would have done it. It worked out, I guess. But with the game tied, um, he brings in Rob Refsnyder as a pinch hitter for Duran, despite the fact he's got those three doubles. And, you know, Refsnyder ends up working a walk, and then Alex Verdugo against a lefty rips a double down the right field line. Uh, Verdugo is like hot as a firecracker. Two more hits last night, four more runs batted in. Just, and he actually, it wasn't a double down the right field. It ended up being a triple, uh, his third triple of the season. But, I mean, he is just, it doesn't matter. Lefty, righty, doesn't care. Hitting 303 now. Uh, Rafi Devers had a forgettable night. You know, and you know, I have to be honest. In the first inning, the Red Sox looked like they had an opportunity to break this game open right away. You know, and uh, but Rafi strikes out in the first inning with runners on second and third, and one out, and you know they end up not scoring, and you're like, oh god. You know, I hope it's not going to be one of those nights. But fortunately, it turned around. Uh, another good sign, Tristan Casas. Two more hits last night, including a blast of a home run to right field, his eighth of the season. But two for five last night, has the batting average all the way up to 215. Woohoo! Uh, but now has the OPS up to 730. And, uh, you know, this was after kind of Alex Cora said, hey, um, we're going to be, you know, platooning a little bit more at first base. And, you know, we're not going to send Costas down, but we're going to kind of look at matchups and, uh, you know, his his uh, his daily starts might be at an end at first base. He has since started four of the six games. And since that message was sent by Alex Cora, uh, Costas is hitting the ball better. Uh, look, I still believe this kid is going to be one of these guys that is going to hit you 30 home runs a year. It's not going to be this year unless something radical changes. He's only got eight right now. But I think this kid uh, has the ability to be a 30-plus home run guy every season. His power is just ridiculous, and he's a monster. Uh, and honestly, his defense at first base is getting a little bit better. You know, he's not a, glo- a gold glover by any means, but he's still learning. And I have a lot of hope for this kid. I really uh, am a big fan. Uh, and speaking of being a big fan, how about James Paxton? Six and a third last night, with the exception of the home run that he gave up to Vasquez that tied the game at three. He was great. Only gave up three hits. Two of them came in that inning when he gave up the home run to Vasquez. Struck out seven, walk one, 91 pitches, um, and pitches into the seventh inning yet again. 
Um, in the seven starts since coming off the injured list, he's ERA is 3.29. And he's pitched at least six innings four of those seven starts. Look, this is a guy who made six starts in three years. You know, this is a guy who's who, who started uh, maybe less frequently than Chris Sale over the last few years. He's been great. Which, by the way, makes me, you know, the, my first thought is, and they won't do it, I'm sure, because Bloom doesn't want to, uh, you know, I think he's afraid of doing anything right now. But if I'm the Red Sox, I'm trying to see if I can sign him to an extension right now. And you might say, hey, Gene, wait a minute. Oh, you know, he's been on the injured list and, you know, over the last few years he struggled. Um, you know, and Chris Sale looked great until he wasn't, right? <laughs> you know, I get it. I get it. But I don't know, you know, look, Paxton showed some loyalty to this team, right? The Red Sox decided not to exercise a club option that was for like, I don't know, $10 million bucks to re-sign Paxton for this year. And he, he exercised his player option, which was, I don't remember, was it 4 or $5 million, to stay with Boston because he was comfortable with the training staff there who had helped him rehab. But he also said, I felt like I owed the Red Sox something for sticking with me, you know, knowing that I was injured when they signed me. So I felt I owed the Red Sox this which showed he's a stand-up dude. And the way he has pitched, uh, if I'm Bloom or the ownership group, I'm sitting down with Paxton's agent right now, which is going to be difficult because it's Scott Boros, and, you know, Boros may try to talk his guy out of it. But if I'm the Red Sox, I go to Paxton right now and say, hey, I'd like to sign you to a two-, three-year extension. That's what I'd do. Um, because look, you already know injuries aside, you already know you have Chris Sale for the next two years, right? You have Brian Bayo, who it looks like he has the opportunity to be, you know, a big part of your rotation for the upcoming years because he continues to get better and better. Whitlock is proving that he belongs. Tanner Houck has shown that he belongs. So if you can lock up Paxton, you've got yourself a pretty good five for the next couple of years at least. And then you still have – you could figure out what you want to do with Winkowski, who has moved into the bullpen and has been great, what you want to do with Cutter Crawford, who was better in the bullpen than he was as a starter, but they need him as a starting pitcher right now. But, you know, you then have some options. You know, and you've got a bunch of guys that are going to be free agents at the end of the year, so you're going to have some money freed up. And after you've reset the uh, luxury tax threshold this year, which is what the Red Sox are doing, next year you could spend more money anyway without getting killed financially. So that's what I do. You know, I, you know whether or not they will, I'm skeptical. But it would certainly, I think, give the Red Sox fans – uh, a feeling of security. Now, you know, again, he could get hurt tomorrow the same way Chris Sale does. Um, but I like I like the idea. And now, look, the Red Sox, after the win last night, game and a half out of the wild card. Game and a half out of the wild card. Still in last place in the division, 
but three games over 500. And uh, they're a half a game behind Toronto to climb out of the basement. They're only a game and a half behind the Yankees to get into third. Uh, look, the one thing that this team is doing is they are making it difficult on Heimblum and ownership at the trade deadline. You know, and and the question is is do you if you stand pat, right? Whether you if you don't sell and you don't buy, you stand pat. You're kind of you're still stuck in the middle. This team, I think, still is good enough to make the playoffs, but this team is not good enough to go to the World Series. It's just not. We've seen that. We've seen that against some of the the tougher competition. They're one and seven against the Rays, right? They got handled by the Los Angeles Angels, who aren't even in first place. In the AL West, right? So, you know, we've seen them get handled by some some teams that aren't even the better teams. I mean, look what look Colorado took two out of three. Pittsburgh, who's fading now, swept them. I mean, so you know, I I don't right now they're they're good enough to make the playoffs, but not good enough for the World Series. So if you don't do anything, you're just kind of going, meh. We're just going to ride it out, see what happens, and we'll go into next year. If you sell. You're telling your team, your your fan base that you're giving up on the season, and you know wh- what kind of message does that send? But do you buy? And if you buy, then you got to give up some prospects. You know, I don't think they have enough unless you're going to give up one of your you know blue chippers like a, a Marcelo Meyer. You're not going to get much back. You know, Bobby Dahlbeck is a nice piece, but what are you going to get back for him? I mean, I guess you could consider moving Jaron Duran. I hate the idea, the way he's playing right now. Or since you have Adam Duval on a one-year contract, you could consider moving him and leave Duran in center field full-time. But you could move one of those guys. I don't think they're going to move Alex Verdugo. I don't. I, I think Alex Verdugo, they may try to, you know, they may try to lock him up on an extension as well. But what do you do? The, the red, the, and, I'm, and look, at the end of the day, I'm glad that these players are making it difficult on management. I'd love to see them go for it. But unless you're going to get enough back that you know that what you're going to get back can push you over the top, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know whether it's worth it or not. And, and I'm glad I don't have to make that decision. So the series continues tonight. Uh, Cutter Crawford is going to get the start for the Red Sox. His last time out, not very good. Four innings, four runs. Uh, look, this is a guy in the bullpen. He had a 1.66 ERA in 22 innings. In 19 innings as a starter, he has an ERA of seven. So, you know, uh, Alex Cora, though, is saying that what they uh, they think what the deal is is with Crawford is he's coming out when he's starting a game, he has a, the wrong mindset. He's coming out saying, okay, i got to try to go five, six, seven innings. And Alex Cora is saying, stop worrying about that. I want you to make your starts the same way you pitch in the bullpen. Just go out and attack, be aggressive, and hopefully you know, you'll have better results. We'll see if that happens tonight and see if the Red Sox can keep this five-game winning streak and stretch it to six. Minnesota's a game under 500 and still leads the AL Central. But they're going to throw Bailey Ober tonight, who 
has ten, made 10 starts this year. He's an ERA at 2.65, and he's pitched against the Red Sox twice in his career. He's thrown 11 innings against the Red Sox, and he hasn't given up an earned run yet. So, uh, you know, you, you'd have to think going in, uh, advantage Minnesota, but uh, the way the Red Sox hitters are going right now, uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't bet on that. And by the way, congratulations. Alex Cora picks up his 400th win as a manager in uh, with the Red Sox. Ninth ma- uh, manager in team history to get there. Uh, 33 more, and he will pass John Farrell to get into sixth place. Uh, Don Zimmer is next at 411, and Jimmy Williams, and then Farrell, who's in sixth at, with 432. Uh, and one other note, they signed uh, Kyle Baraclaw yesterday, was pitching in the independent league. He's 33 years old. Uh, the Red Sox signed him, assigned him to AAA. This is a guy that, look, uh, pitched in the majors for seven, eight years. And, uh, you know, pitched with, uh, he, I know he pitched with the uh, the Rays for a while. Uh, he pitched with the Diamondbacks. He, he kicked around with a few clubs, but he's a guy that can get some out. So uh, I think that's a good depth piece for them to have in, uh, in AAA. And also the only other game in the American League East yesterday where the Blue Jays taking on the Miami Marlins. And, oh, my God, <laughs> uh, Don Mattingly returning to Miami to uh, – Mattingly, now a bench coach for the Toronto Blue Jays, returns to Miami, the team he used to manage, and watch the, his former team absolutely pummel the Blue Jays. The Blue Jays get shut out last night, 11 nothing. First time that uh, Toronto's been shut out this season. Luis Arise, 5 for 5 yesterday, now has his batting average up to 400. Um, he has three games this month where he has had a five-hit game. Second time in the last three games. This was, by the way, after he had an 0-for-15 slump. Uh, he dropped his average all the way down to 378. He's the fourth major leaguer since 1900 to have three five-hit games in a month, according to Elias. Uh, and the other three guys, George Sizzler in 1921, Ty Cobb in 1922, and Dave Winfield all the way back in 1984. Pretty good company. Uh, so Arise has it up to 400. He's got 102 hits in 67 games. Um, no, of course, nobody's hit 400 since Ted Williams did it for the Red Sox back at 41. I highly doubt he's going to continue that pace. But, man, uh, what a tear this guy is on. But they beat the Blue Jays 11-0. Um, Jose Barrios gave up five on eight hits in four innings. Uh, bullpen was uh, uh, horrid as well. And uh, the Marlins with another win, and this team just continues to amaze. Uh, they are a season-best 11 games over 500 at 42 and 31. They still trail the uh, red-hot Atlanta Braves by four-and-a-half games, but they're three-and-a-half clear of Philadelphia, and they are seven-and-a-half ahead of the New York Mets, who sit in fourth place in the NL East. Uh, the series continues today. You say Kikuchi is going to pitch for the Blue Jays, and it'll be Yuri Perez, who is 4-1 with a 1.8 ERA pitching for the Marlins this afternoon, or this evening, I should say. It is 29 minutes past the hour. We're going to take a break. We're back in a minute. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It is 31 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to The Wake Up Call here on a Tuesday morning, a rainy day here uh, in western North Carolina. Uh, got an inch of rain yesterday. We're supposed to get another three or four inches of rain this weekend. I guess there's a, a couple of hurricanes in the pipeline. 
Uh, there is one that's going to be heading towards Puerto Rico. I'm supposed to hit around there Thursday or Friday. Don't know where it's going to go after there and, uh, you know, whether it's going to have its sights set on Florida or not. And then there's another one that's got a 70% chance of uh, forming into a hurricane right behind it. So welcome to hurricane season. Uh, oh, one other note from the American League East. Uh, Josh Donaldson gave an interview uh, yesterday with uh, The Athletic. And by the way, if you don't subscribe to The Athletic, if you're a sports fan, uh, it's well worth it. They uh, they do a great job pretty much with all the sports, but their baseball coverage is is the best. And I, I think it's like 20 bucks a year. It's uh, it's I think it's one of the best 20 bucks I've ever spent. I read it every day. Uh, but anyway, so he uh, gave an interview with The Athletic, Josh Donaldson did, and uh, he is contemplating uh, perhaps retiring at the end of the year. He is 37 years old. Uh, he's in the final year uh, of a four-year deal that he signed with the Yankees. And if you watch that Red Sox series with the Yankees over the weekend, you can see that Josh Donaldson looks like a shadow of his former self. Now, he missed a good part of the start of this season. Uh, I get that. Um, But he is hitting under 200. I mean, so far he's only played, I think, uh, like 50. He's only had like 53 at bat, something like that. But he just doesn't look right. Uh, I mean, and that's this is after hitting only 222 last year, uh, with 15 homers, 62 runs batted in, and almost 500 at bats. So this is not the guy uh, that is a former. Well, it is the guy who is a former MVP, but he doesn't look like uh, the guy who was a terror. Uh, still can still can play some pretty good third base, but uh, offensively, he looks like he's done. Um, you know, and, and, you know, and at 37, I, he's really questioning whether he wants to continue to play or not. Uh, and, uh, I, I don't think the Yankees, uh, you know, I mean, the Yankees aren't going to resign him. I mean, there's no question about that when his contract is up. Uh, and, and that might be part of his thinking is, is that, look, there's not going to be a big payday with, you know, hitting 222 last year. And even if I turn things around this year and, and I'm hitting 230, 240, uh, you know, Who's going to want to gamble on a guy that's that's hitting that kind of uh, you know weight at the plate and and uh, is 38 years old? So makes sense. Uh, and by the way, the Yankees nine and 14 without Aaron Judge in the lineup this year. They're 30 and 19 when he plays, but nine and 14 without the lineup. And I guess that uh, that uh, toe injury that he suffered making that uh, catch out in the outfield. Um, it's worse than they thought. It's not really responding to treatment. There is still no timeline about when he's going to come back. And uh, look, you know, when you you look at the the uh, the outfield that they had in you know the other day, and you're like, who are these people? You know, and uh, they need him back in the worst way. They have lost seven of their last ten, four in a row, and you know they're still six games over 500. But if they don't get him back in the lineup sometime in the next couple of weeks, um, the Yankees could find themselves in deep, deep trouble because that pitching staff is shaky as well. But So we'll see. Uh, across town, the Mets uh, beat the Houston Astros yesterday 11-1. to uh, Max Scherzer finally throws a great outing, goes eight innings. Uh, that's his longest outing as a member of the Mets. He looked like the guy that the Mets thought that they were getting uh, four hits, one run, struck out eight, only walked one, 
Gets his ERA down to uh, just a shade over four. It is his sixth win of the year. I mean, you'd think, you know, that that he's like two and six, not six and two. Uh, the way the media has portrayed him as being, you know, maybe this guy is toast. Uh, but he was great last night. And the Mets bats a five-run third inning was all they were going to need. Uh, and then they piled on five more uh, in the ninth. But uh, a, uh, a a great performance by the Mets. They finally. Uh, get things going in the right direction. Starling Marte, a couple of hits last night. But Francisco Lindor, the big hero, five runs batted in, including a home run. And uh, the Mets with an 11-1 to win over the slumping Houston Astros. Talk about a team that, you know, has some decisions to make. With all the injuries that they have had to their pitching staff, you know, they're, they've got a lot of rookies in that pitching staff right now, and they have now lost five in a row, seven of ten. Uh, they're down to third place in the uh, AL West, and the Seattle Seahawks playing – Seattle Seahawks, the Seattle Mariners playing much better kind of coming on, and the Astros are going to have to make some decisions about what they want to do with the trade deadline uh, because not only have they had all the injuries to their pitching staff, they've got guys that just – you know, they – they signed Jose Abreu as a free agent from the, away from the Chicago White Sox, thinking he was going to bring them some big pop. He hasn't hit the ball at all. I think he's only got like three or four home runs for them. You know, they've they're really in a bind with him. He's down. He's only hitting two twenty four. You know, Jose Altuve, who is back, uh, but he can't do it all by himself. Alex Bregman having a below average. Uh, year for him at the plate. So this team right now is kind of misfiring on all cylinders. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see what they want to do. They they find themselves kind of, I think, in the same position the Red Sox are. They're good enough maybe to make the playoffs, but they're not good enough to go back to the World Series. Uh, so uh, I don't think they're going to be defending uh, their championship this year. The series continues tonight. Justin Verlander will go against his former team. Uh, he will. He is two and three with a 4.40 ERA. He's hoping to get his self turned around, and uh, he will go against Framber Valdez, who has an ERA just 2.27 for Houston. By the way, Verlander should be interesting. I mean, he was given his World Series ring last night. By the way, uh, by the Houston Astros, but Verlander was 61 and 19. Um, when he pitched for Houston between uh, 2017 and 2022. Uh, 102 regular season starts, and uh, two of his three Cy Young Awards came as a member of the Houston Astros, and now he gets to pitch against them uh, tonight. Uh, Staying in the uh, AL West, the Texas Rangers beat the White Sox last night 5-2, so the Rangers hang on to their five-game lead in the AL West. They're five up over the Angels, six and a half over the Astros right now. And uh, that was the third straight win for the Rangers. Uh, Josh Jung hit his 15th home run of the season last night. And Jonah Heim, a two-run single late. And uh, they come back to beat the Chicago White Sox. Andrew Heaney um, wasn't great, but wasn't awful. But uh, got him through uh, into the sixth inning at least. And then the bullpen... Uh, four or excuse me, three and a third shutout innings. Will Smith picks up his 13th save of the season uh, as the White Sox fall again, and the Rangers continue to play well to the surprise of uh, many, many people. The series will continue tonight. Uh, it'll be J- Nathan Avaldi, former Red Sox hurler, nine and three with a 2.59 ERA. Dylan Cease, 
the uh, ace of the White Sox staff, 3-3, three 4-3-1. Three, three, he has had a tough start to the season. There are a lot of people that think Dylan Cease is going to be on the block. They think either the White Sox, look, the White Sox are out of it at this point. You know, I know we still have a lot of games to play, but uh, the White Sox are eight game, or excuse me, twelve games under five hundred. They're not going anywhere, and there are a lot of people that think Tim Anderson could, the shortstop, could be on the move, and uh, one of their starting pitchers, perhaps Liam Hendricks, although you know he's back on the injured list again. So we'll have to see what happens. But the White Sox could be sellers and maybe just combine it, try to really uh, hit the reset button uh, in Chicago. Uh, but uh, so Dylan Cease's uh, starts for the Chicago White Sox could be coming to an end. It is 40 minutes past. Yeah, we're going to take one more break. We're back in a minute. You're listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It is 42 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the Wake Up Call here on a Tuesday morning. By the way, today is the uh, the 43rd anniversary uh, back in uh, 1980. The No Moss fight between Roberto Duran and Sugar Ray Leonard. Uh, excuse me, not the Mo- No Moss fight, the one before that. And Roberto Duran beat Sugar Ray Leonard. It was his first loss uh, for Ray, and it became, uh, excuse me, Duran became the WBC welterweight champion of the world. I used to absolutely love boxing. And, you know, and I don't know. Uh, now I can't stand watching it. And this, I guess some of it is maybe the personalities. You know, back, of course, I grew up in the time of uh, Muhammad Ali was, you know, always must-watch TV. The heavyweights were, you know, with George Foreman and uh, Joe Frazier. And, I mean, it was just so much fun. And Ray Leonard was just unbelievable. But I can't stand watching boxing now. And I, maybe I don't know whether I've changed or whether it's the sport that's changed. Uh, I'm not sure what it is. Um, I, I more think it's probably me because – you know, if I like boxing, I you know, why wouldn't I like like I can't stand the UFC. I, I absolutely can't stand that. So it's like it's like watching it's watching a street fight, you know, and kicking and I just I don't I, I just it's the level of brutality uh, that this this world has now, and it's it's considered this is you know what it is, it's modern day. Gladiators. That's what UFC is. It's like the only thing we don't have is the Roman emperor there putting the thumbs up or thumbs down as to whether you should kill your opponent or not. Honest to God, that's that's what UFC is. Uh, so I can't stand that now. But anyway, this was uh, the date when uh, Roberto Duran beat Sugar Ray Leonard, handed him his first loss, and uh, uh, Ray would come back, of course, to reclaim his title. But uh, uh, that was I remember watching that fight. I was uh, I was in college. Um, the, uh, Detroit Tigers win. They beat the Kansas city Royals. The Royals have now lost 12 of their last 13 games. The Roy- <laughs> the Royals and the Oakland athletics, ladies and gentlemen, battling it out to see who can suck the most. Um, uh, Kerry Carpenter, a three run home run and a five run seventh inning, uh, and the t- the Tigers beat the Royals. That's one of those things. I'll tell you what. That's one of those things like when you are the Red Sox, right? They've got games coming up against the Oakland Athletics. If you don't go in there and you don't sweep the Athletics, you know, that's and, – and see, that's the thing. They brought this up on the Red Sox broadcast last night. Do you realize the Red Sox have the best record 
in baseball against teams that have over 500 records? That shocked the hell out of me when I heard that last night on the broadcast. The problem is, is you then look at how they do against the teams that don't have 500 records, and that therein lies the problem, right? The fact that you lose games to the Colorado Rockies, right? That you lose games to the Pittsburgh Pirates, who are now under 500. You know, that, you know, you know the losses that you had to the Cincinnati Reds look a hell of a lot better now if a loss can look good. But that's the problem is the Red Sox are beating the teams that have better than 500 records, but they're, they're losing to the teams that they're supposed to beat. Well, the Tigers last night uh, pick up their second straight win, beating the Royals. The, the Tigers play in that awful AL Central. They are nine games under 500, yet they are only four games out of first place behind the Minnesota Twins. Jesus. The Reds win again. They pick up their ninth straight victory of the season. Uh, They beat the Rockies 5-4. Joey Votto back in the lineup last night for the Reds. Um, He has been missing for 10 months, uh, had surgery on uh, rotator cuff and his shoulder, and he comes back last night, has two hits, a single and a home run. It was his first home run since August the 6th of last year. So good for him, Uh, and the Reds just continue to amaze, they are now in first place in the NL Central. 38 and 35. They have the same record as the Red Sox. They sit in first place. Uh, and uh, and they're a better road team than they are at home, but they finally got themselves up to 500 at home. But, boy, good for them. Good for them. It's uh, you know, But, again, it's one of those things where they are an example of a team that has great young talent, they don't pay their players a lot of money, but they have great young talent. And the issue is going to be when that young talent gets old enough, you know, and you got to start paying them, will they keep them? And the answer so far in the last two decades has been no. But if you're a Reds fan, enjoy it while you can. Uh, ben Lively uh, will get the start for the Reds tonight. Uh, and then Noah Davis um, is coming back from AAA to get the start uh, for the Rockies in the game tonight. So you would have to think the Reds maybe have a chance uh, to win their 10th in a row. Uh, they are in first place because the Diamondbacks beat the Brewers last night by a final of 9-1. to one. Uh, Alec Thomas, uh, back up from AAA, has a home run in his return to the major leagues, uh, a six-run first inning for Arizona. That was all Merrill Kelly would need uh, as he cruises for the Diamondbacks. He went uh, seven innings, three hits, one run, Struck out seven and uh, picks up his ninth win of the season. Corbin Burns gives up seven runs. That ties a career high in just five innings, uh, and he falls to five and five on the season. But the uh, the Brewers uh, back out of first place. They had looked like they had a stranglehold on things, but they have suddenly hit the skids. They've lost seven of their last ten. That uh, series continues tonight. It'll be Ryan Nelson for the Diamondbacks and Colin Ray starting for the uh, Milwaukee Brewers. The Cubs suddenly relevant again in the uh, NL Central. They've got themselves back to within three and a half of first place. They win uh, last night. They've won eight of ten. They shut out the Pirates last night eight to nothing. Drew Smiley uh, wasn't very good. (laughs) Wasn't very good at all. Uh, but uh, walks five guys in five innings, but somehow picks up his seventh win of the season. And uh, the Cubs 
with the 8-0 victory. Uh, Marcus Stroman will pitch for the Cubs today. He is 8-4 with a 2-4-5 ERA. He'll go against uh, Johan Oviedo. The uh, Cardinals, again, another team that uh, had been left for dead, and uh, they are suddenly playing much better. They pick up a win yesterday. They beat the Washington Nationals 8-6. They get home runs uh, from Brendan Donovan, Paul Goldschmidt, back-to-back in the fifth inning. And uh, they erased a 5 nothing deficit to come back to win. One of the most, <laughs> the silliest comments I've heard all year, Oliver Marmel, the, uh, the manager of the St. Louis Cardinals, says, well, we still expect to win the National League Central. This is a team that's 13 games under 500. It's great to be optimistic. Uh, and then in the uh, final game of the night, I actually watched a lot of this, and I thought the, uh, the Padres had this one under control, so I went to bed. And I wake up, as so often happens, and I find out that Mike Yastrzemski, uh, with a three-run bomb in the 10th inning. And uh, the Giants end up beating the Padres by a final of 7-4. to four. The Giants with two runs in the bottom of the ninth to tie it, to send it to extra innings. And it was Yastrzemski uh, who scored on a sacrifice fly to tie it, and then he wins it in the 10th. And despite having only six hits in the game, the Giants score seven runs and uh, shocked the San Diego Padres last night. And uh, the Padre bullpen was a little bit taxed. Michael Walker was pretty good. Uh, for the Padres, six innings, four hits, two runs, but the bullpen uh, got roughed up last night, and the Giants uh, come back to win. And the Giants, again, another one of those teams, one of the hottest teams in baseball. They have also won eight in a row, eight games over 500, just three and a half back uh, of the uh, Arizona Diamondbacks right now. It'll be Julio Lugo coming off, or excuse me, Julio Lugo, Seth Lugo coming off of the uh, Uh, The injured list to pitch for the Padres today. Uh, He will go against Anthony DiScalfani for the San Francisco Giants. That is going to do it for us here this morning. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of the Wake Up Call. It's Lionel Richie's 74th birthday, so let's head out with some music from Lionel Richie. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country.